This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. You're a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. Zach Moore is off this week, and we've brought in a very special guest for his second co-hosting appearance on the show, Nick Anastasio. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ken. I am very happy to be with you. I was going to say with you guys, but no, it's just uh, the chief and I this morning. And uh, and uh, yeah, if you guys didn't learn your lesson and keep inviting me, I will keep showing up. Well, I, it, we had a heck of a run. Uh, the The first show that, that uh, we did with you has soared. I mean, it is a top seven show in all of Standard Orbit, the whole run since 2014. So it definitely had a lot of people uh, come to it, enjoy it, love the subject matter. And I'm, 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 I'm here with you today to see if we can get lightning to strike twice because you came up with another great topic. As a lot of people know, Nick is an associate producer on the show as well. And you know, there's a lot of communication that goes back between Nick and, and the other associate producers and myself to a certain degree, and he comes up with some some great concepts. And this one that, that you've come up with, I'll let you walk through it. Uh, it, it struck me. And then I said, okay, I'm going to reach out to Nick and see if he'll come back on the show. We're lucky to have him. Nick, if you could kind of talk through the premise of where we're going to be going on the show. Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I was thinking about, uh, I was trying to think of ideas four themes that come back in TOS uh, throughout the series, the TOS movies, the reboots. Um, and all of a sudden, the idea, the theme of loss and how we deal with it, um, how it changes us, uh, how we grow from it, really hit me as something which I'd never thought of before, but seemed to be right in my face. And how how obvious it is present and part of TOS's DNA from the beginning, from the original series to the movies, to the reboot movies. Um, and then, you know, I thought that might be something cool to talk about. Um, it's a serious subject matter. Um, but at the same time, I think that that's one of the interesting things um, Star Trek manages. And again, in all of these eras, which are very different in terms of our, our, you know, popular culture and, and the types of media and content that was that was shown. Um, all these times, Star Trek managed to find a way to deal with it, and I think genuinely pass on lessons, but in a way that, to me at least, always seems 
relatable and and uplifting and not not depressing and it really it deals with loss of, of all kinds uh very seriously at times but still uh is always uplifting so i thought that might be interesting to to chat about yeah i i, I thought so too it really struck me and i was thinking along some of the lines that that you were talking there and also how helps us deal with things and i know there's a lot of people we we see it all the time on facebook when people will say not feeling great put in this star trek episode or movie and kind of made me feel good and and some of those movies are like you said they're they can be heavy at times but yet they still turn to it and and it it brings back something it 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 it, it pulls them out of their their i guess their sadness a little bit and puts a little bit more optimism which is what star trek is all about however and that's that's kind of a neat thing so what I thought we'd do, uh, based on what we talked about before the show, was kind of go back to the original series for a bit, and then we'll, we'll wind through the movies and the reboots. We'll kind of talk about some of the things that, that we observed, that you've seen, that struck you, how things were dealt with. And, you know, each character, too, as, as we were discussing before the show as well, has kind of had to um, face these difficult and trying times, dealing with loss and then recovery. So if if we go back to the original series, and you know, the, I, there's a bunch of episodes that pop in the top of my head, and I was curious from your perspective, what were some of the the moments um, that 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 you reflect on thinking about the, uh, the the show and and maybe some of those instances? Well, I mean, of course, Kirk is going to come first because course, yeah. we see him deal with loss and. Um, uh, you and I talked about that a little bit off mic, but, you know, and I know you guys talked about um, Kirk's romances and, and the perception. Well, the, the reality of his romances in the show versus the perception sometimes of his, of his romance. And I know that a lot of times, you know, the perception is that Kirk is this kind of womanizer who sort of, you know, butterflies from, from girl to girl and relationship to relationship. And there's no, it's not, it's not untrue. There's some truth, but I think that a lot of times, especially earlier on in the series, uh, and even later on, um, he is approached as very serious as a character. Um, and I think we, that side is forgotten. And, and, uh, the romantic part of his personality and his relationship also has a lot of seriousness and is often mired in tragedy. And you guys talked about that, but to me, I think actually, you know, the episode with Miramani is probably the one, uh, I know a lot of people would probably go to City on the Edge of Forever, uh, understandably, but Miramani is the one that really comes to me because I think it shows a lot of, it, it really speaks a lot to an inner part of Kirk's character, um, which is really, again, I think it's very relatable. Um, once he forgets, once he loses his memory, it really, uh, you see, I think, a, a part of Kirk that he probably otherwise keeps inside. Um, and that comes out naturally because there's no inhibition. Now he, he doesn't have the, the other part, the captain and the duty, the responsibilities. Now he's free to just let that other part, you know, the part that wants to found a family, to right. find love, um, explore itself. And, and that comes out right away. And, and then, of course, in a like Shakespearean way, almost at the very end, when he's it's just about to come together, he loses Miramani. And then he, you know, the, the Captain Kirk part of his personality comes back. And you see him assume it right away. But in the way he does... 
it really, and it, to me, it was a moment that was as powerful, if not more, as that get the hell out of here, you know, let's get, let's get the hell out of here from City on the Edge of Forever, where it just feels, you, you, you feel kind of the, it's not even about the loss of Miramani. It just feels like there is um, that part of Kirk. It's also a part of Kirk that, that he can never, that he loses back the, the, the free, loving, uh, more relaxed, um, caring, emotional Kirk has to go, has to go back, has to go away. And uh, that, I find to be, it just, it just makes me think about the choices we make in life. Um, and it's free will, but then eventually sometimes you're kind of carried by the momentum of your choices. And as the, the years pass on, you don't regret it. I don't, I don't, I don't ever get a sense that Kirk regrets his choices, that he ever regrets being a captain. Um, he embraces his destiny, which I think is, that's, that's to me is a, it's a very valuable lesson in life. The fact that you can reflect and you can, there can be things you miss or you can, once you live long enough, see that there are um, roads never taken. Um, and, but it's not black and white. It doesn't mean that you're going to say, oh man, I should have never chosen to go to Starfleet Academy and become a captain. It is what, he, what, what it is. He loves it. But you still get a sense of, of this extra something that, that, you, that you have it's part of maturity. You have to deal with the responsibility and the consequences of the choice you did make. Um, and that's, I think that's a, that's one of the, to me, it's probably my favorite uh, Kirk love story and, and the way that it deals with, with loss. Um, yeah, and that's, it's, it's interesting. A few episodes, not that long ago, I, I kind of brought up the same subject uh, focused on that. And I think you're right. There's a couple of things from, from what you just said that I, that I found fascinating. One is, that without the burden of command in his ship and whatnot, you kind of see Kirk put everything he has into that relationship. I will say, though, I never found Kirk to be manipulative of women, ever. Um, his, his heart, he, <laughs> he was kind of a, a guy who, who fell and would fall fast, um, which was kind of an interesting character dynamic for that. There's, there's a lot of people, you know, we, we saw how, how the captain in, in, in TNG, Picard, was a little bit more stoic, and uh, would not, wouldn't even allow himself to, to open himself up. And similarly, you know, in, in a particular episode, The Inner Light, we see him free of all the shackles and, and becoming the family man he, he never dreamed of, and how it impacted his character going forward on that. And I see the same thing with Kirk, although he is Shakespearean just by destiny. Uh, he has a lot of relationships that just to you know, end in a very sad and uh, way. You know, whether whether it is the city on the edge of forever, forever or who cries from Methuselah, it, it doesn't matter. It just seems like uh, you know he'll 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 find that that woman, fall in love, and then have to you know deal with with something very very sad. And he 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 does it well. I think the other point that that you were talking about is his lack of regretting, and and you know that's that's an interesting subject. I don't know if there's parts of his life that he doesn't regret, but he realizes it helped create his character. It helped create his, his philosophy on life and how he deals with things. So he doesn't regret that the, uh, the experience was there, but I'm sure like many people regret maybe he, 
should have went one direction and not another. However, becoming a um, a starship captain, I don't think there would be many people that would regret achieving such a uh, a uh, a very rare and, and difficult objective. You know, you have to be special, uh, even in even in today's world, to to be successful in whatever occupant, uh, you know, whatever whatever job you have, occupation you have, is what I was trying to say. When you climb the ladder and you achieve a certain threshold, I say all the time that um, leadership is not a commodity, and that's why they pay big bucks for it, because there's not a lot of people who can do it well. It just isn't. And um, uh, and Kirk was one of those those folks that did it well. Was was there anything else from any of the other characters within the TV episodes that kind of you know had you had you thinking along these same terms? Yeah, um, for McCoy, actually, um, for for the world is hollow and uh, touch the sky, um, is uh, one of my favorite TOS episodes, and uh, I just love the way. Um, I mean, I guess there's no McCoy doesn't die in the episode, um, but there is the concept of, of potential loss or or impending loss coming, you know. And in this in this particular case, it's when you you know he finds out that he is he is going to die. Um, and, um, again, I thought that uh, the way that the episode, um, posed the ideas, um, what it means to the people around him, what it means to him. Um, and in this case, you know, you see, obviously I think there's a direct, uh, opposition kind of in the reaction that he has, which is one of acceptance and trying to make the best use of the time he has. Um, and at the same time, you, you can tell Kirk has, of course, the, the, the reaction that Kirk would have, which is he just, Kirk just wants to find a way to, to have that not happen. Right. right. Um, because that's what Kirk does. He just finds solutions to problems. And, uh, um, and I think that that, that was, you know, they, they posed it really well. And you have, you know, um, Spock who in this case, and I thought that was interesting uh, in the dynamic of the trio he is kind of the middle. Usually you have, you know, Spock on one end, Kirk on the other, and McCoy is the balance. Right. And in this case, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy did a wonderful job at, at showing the, the way that Spock is affected um, without showing it because Spock can't, of course, display his emotions. Um, and I think that it's, it's in that holdback that you get kind of that, the, the nuance. You can see that he's affected in the, in the same way inside that Kirk is. Um, and he doesn't want to lose his best friend, but you can, because he can't display it as emotionally and passionately as Kirk will, he, it, it, it uh, ends up being expressed more in support than refusal or denial or, or exclamation of, I just don't want you to die. Um, and I think that that, that reflected kind of the three big facets, um, you know, that come with these ideas. There's denial, there's acceptance, and there's support. Right. Um, and so I thought that was, a, it was very powerful. Um, and again, um, done in a way that never felt to me depressing or sad. It, it was done beautifully. The fact that, that it involved love again, in this case for, for Bones, um, felt really, uh, that was a way to, to show well, not the beauty of death, but, but uh, he's able to rationalize the process and say, well, you know, I'm going to die. But look at what, it, 
it, this brought me to this place where at the same time, now I get to have the most amazing year of my life. I get to, you know, I found love. And so in a way it ties back to what you were saying about Kirk, which is a form of maturity to understand that the things that are painful in our life, um, I mean, they will be painful. There's no way we can't be optimistic or, or positive to the extent of saying, see, it's not a big deal. They're a big deal, but but one way to really absorb them and, and transform the negative energy that they can bring, you know, um, is to actually also realize how they contribute to make us who we are and the, the best of who we are. We learn as much from, from the painful experiences are from, as from the positive, if not more. And I think that uh, uh, that's the lesson that Star Trek teaches really well. I, I agree with you, Nick. And I, I do see people who go the other way that cannot deal, cannot cope. Um, and, and, it's, and it's so sad that, um, that they don't have that, that anchor, that, that, um, that, that solid foundation that allows them to, to move on from it. And you know, when we talk about when the sky is hollow and I've touched the stars, I think that, um, I think that, that episode I hadn't, I, that did not enter my head until you said it. And so I've been reflecting on it as you've been going through it. It, it is a journey. And it's it's a great episode to watch um, in in terms of how people deal. And then the other thing that was popping into my head as you were saying uh, were two things: Star Trek Two and Star Trek Four. And, and we'll get into the movies for sure. But the whole Kirk, you know, I've cheated death and and patted myself on the back for my ingenuity. You know, I've I've gone left round and sideways, kind of like in, in this episode. In a sense, he refused to deal with it. He was going to fix it. And, uh, and, and, and McCoy was the one who was just like, this is, this is the cycle. This is what, and then in Star Trek four, where, um, I just, I always got a kick out of McCoy trying to get Spock to discuss his experience about death (laughs) (laughs) and essentially being told you have to die to understand it. And (laughs) that was, you know, so I, I, it was funny as you were saying that I was just, I was just those, those two things just kind of, kind of popped into my head. And I know they're they're completely unrelated to to that episode or whatnot, but very relatable to those characters. You know, so you, you had one that was was facing it, was almost there, and avoided it, and you have another who's seen it left, right, and sideways, claims to have cheated his way around it, but in reality has dealt with it a lot, a lot more than. Than you would think. He just didn't have to deal with it with anybody that he knew for a substantial length of time, right? And that's—I think that's 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 really the change in impact. So that that was that was an excellent one. Uh, we'll we'll go one more character, I guess, from the original episodes, and then we'll kind of evolve it into uh, into the into the movies, both uh, the TOS movies and the reboot. So uh, Scotty, um, he he had his own. I guess, um, tragedies and, you know, and, and, and some dealings. And it was nice to see that, uh, his character developed more. He became, he wasn't quite in the trio, but, but right on the cusp and uh, a little bit more above the, the other characters, I guess. Uh, what are your thoughts with, uh, Mr. Scott? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think in, in that sense, you know, probably because he's a little bit on the outside, um, when, when you see Scott dealing with loss, to me, it's, it's the, um, 
I don't want to say the most relatable, but I think, I think it's where, whether, I don't know that that was done consciously by, by the producers and writers, but I think that it ends up being the one that you relate to the most in a sense, because, um, you know, Scott is kind of more us on the bridge of the enterprise, okay. you know, the fly on the wall, seeing the big three and the big three are the iconic, you know, they're kind of the Greek gods, you know, you're, you're <laughs> looking up to them in the Pantheon and you're like, wow, um, right. these guys are bigger than life. But then, you know, Scott is kind of, you know, Scott, and, and he's, he's used as comic relief a lot, but I think that it's not just comic relief. I think the way that Scott is funny is a way that actually, you know, it's all, it's like, it's like miles in, in DS nine, you know, in, in next gen, he's, he's more the blue collar, Star Trek guy. He's right. the guy that we relate to because he's us. He's okay. You, you think, yeah, I'd love to be Kirk. I'd love to be Spock. But if I was really in Starfleet, I'd probably be more like Miles or Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> um, an and, you know, and that's not to take away anything that they are as Starfleet officers or enlisted in the case of, uh, in the case of uh, Miles. But, but, you know, they're, they're, they have the same standard of excellence. Um, they are as brilliant, as smart, um, they're good leaders, but, um, you know, they're guys who go home, they're guys who drink, they're guys who go to the bar, they're guys who get in fist fights, they're, you know, guys who have wives and argue, and they're guys who deal with loss. Um, and, and so I think that when you see it happen to Scotty, that really, you feel like, okay, this is, that's the part actually in a way where it's not the lecture part. You know, I think when it happens to Kirk, when it happens to Spock or McCoy, you get that sense of like, well, here's a lesson to learn, son. That's and right. then when you, when you, when it happens to Scott, you get the relatability of, oh, I'm going home and it just sucks. It was a really bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you pulled all that together. Interesting. Uh, with, with, with Scotty in particular, I think you're right. It, it's, it's not that they aren't brilliant. They're just more focused in a specific field. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're 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 technical experts and and so forth. Or or you know, Miles is also a great engineer and and who knew I guess a, a heck of a soldier back in the day. But um, not not something you would you would ever glean from his mannerisms or the way he approaches things. And yeah. But you know the one thing that um, I think was missed with Scotty because they did highlight it a lot. If there was anybody who loved the Enterprise more than Kirk, it was Scott, right? It was his ship. It was his baby. And he wore his emotions on the sleeve anytime anything was happening to the ship. The the amount of panic in his voice, you know, the ships are going to explode, <laughs> the engines are going to explode <laughs> any minute now. You, you know, I, I could definitely, as, as you could retcon things and say, if he magnifies his repair estimates or reduces them or he magnifies them by a factor of four so that he comes off as a as a miracle worker, he might be doing the same thing in terms of what the real threat is the ship is because he really doesn't want it to explode. <laughs> so mm -hmm. His warnings are much sooner. But, uh, and, and also I thought a, um, a big gap, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute, in Star Trek III. I, I know where all the focus was and why uh, on, on Kirk and the loss of the Enterprise. But if there was another character there that, that should have been more demonstrative in his sadness of loss in dealing with it it would have been scotty and um, you're very right that yeah you're absolutely right and it's uh oh man i never thought about it i just i just realized but you're 100 percent right and you know and, and like you said obviously we know where the emotional focus is with the character arcs are 
it makes sense. But you could have, and I think you could argue, and you'd be right, you should have had a moment um, where you acknowledge how, uh, what, what it is for Scott. I mean, he's, lo he's losing his life. He's losing literally the thing that has been, that has been the, the shape of his life for his whole life, his whole professional life. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he rebuilt it, right, from, from right. scratch and, and was in charge of a lot of things. And I know he was pulled onto another ship, but he still felt like the ship was repairable and, um, and he was dealing with it. So, yeah, I, I, found, I found that interesting. But, uh, yeah, his, his character, you're right, mostly, mostly comic relief or whatnot, and maybe a little over the top when he did, when he did fall in love. It was his character sometimes for me was a little hard to just, you know, but you're right. He was, he was ready to get in a fight and go over the top and had to be counseled by Kirk constantly, you know, calm down, you know, just focus on what you need to focus on. And, uh, but I, I, I like the, um, the blue collar analogy because you're absolutely right. And it, you know, it, there's a, there's, there's a lot of good folks in the fleet that I know of all, whether officer enlisted or whatnot, that are kind of have that blue collar mentality, even if they are quote unquote white just because they are those those technical experts and, and can drive things. And they do deal things with things without that, that rational thought process that you see in somebody as quaffed as Captain Kirk. But uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Okay. You ready to head to the movies? Or did, was there another, another thing uh, in the episode range that you wanted to... No, let's do it. Let's dig in the movies. There's, there's definitely a lot, of, a lot of meat to get at in the movies there, so... Yeah, so they, they definitely wanted to go with a lot more drama, um, two-hour episodes, ep much more than just that, that, that episodic nature of the TV show where you move on, you move on. Uh, we have you know, essentially a um, trilogy of, I guess, um, growth and tragedy that, that comes along with it. You know, as, as I think back, um, the motion picture doesn't ha has a lot of threat. Uh, and we have some loss, but we didn't get to know the character for, you know, Ilea or, or Decker. And now with Stephen Collins, there's a whole different view on him anyway, uh, when that movie is looked at. And it's, it's a damn shame. Um, uh, and I don't mean it's, it's a damn shame for the way things are being looked at. It's well earned. I just, uh, disappointing. But anyway, um, <laughs> because it's my favorite movie and now it's, it's got that, I, I look at the screen and I just go, ugh. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we we have to be able to extract that and just leave the movie for what it is for the for the movie, you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I focus on the character and not the human being, I guess. Exactly. Yep. But we um, obviously a big a big change in direction, right? When um, when Gene Roddenberry's kind of pulled off it and given a uh, perfunctionary role as an ex executive consultant, in comes Harv Bennett, who has a um, a long history of driving themes stories i mean he's 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 been in the industry a long time he understands the need to really pull people in and um and how to impact players i'm sorry characters and of course we're going into star trek 2 with the thought process that leonard nimoy wants out and so they they go in in an incredible direction and um from from that perspective nick what was what were the things about star trek 2 in particular that uh that, that really hit you in this story? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, let's, let's put it out there. Well, of course we know that, you know, Hollywood is Hollywood. And, and like you said, a lot of the arcs that were written, um, 
in all of the movies are written for the rules that we know are the reality of Hollywood. You know, they need the, the need to reach at more intense drama, um, to draw the numbers, to draw the box office. Um, but that being said, you know, like all art, uh, once it's out there, it is what it is. And whether, whether it was the intent of the creator or not, however it came out, it's there and, and it's valid for what it is. Uh, and I think that, Definitely, you know, even though we know we have these arcs and we know why they were they were put in, um, the the trilogy of two, three, four, um, and then even later on though, um, six in the way that it buttons some of that some of those ideas and and there's a couple of things in five too, um, I think created some some amazing amazing storytelling for Star Trek storytelling for film in general. And again, some, some really, really valuable life lessons. Uh, for me, when I saw two, uh, at the first degree, of course, at the time I was 11. Um, so I was completely heartbroken at the fact that Spock died. I didn't expect it at all until it happened. Um, I lived in a bubble where I was, uh, well, first of all, I was young, but I was also, we lived in Africa at the time. Um, and I was completely cut off from media or, or uh, fan buzz, anything like that. Um, so I had really no idea when I saw the film and in my, you know, in my young black and white mind, I, I just could not foresee at all that a major character was going to die at the end of the film. Um, and I'm sure it's in, it's in, it goes a lot to, to why I loved Star Trek three as much as I did as soon as I found out. Um, Cause I, until I saw three, uh, I had no idea. I, in my mind, I, that, that was it. That was the end of Star Trek. Spock dies. Star Trek's over. Right. And right. Uh, and I remember we we moved to uh, to Paris, France, in in eighty five, and um, I went to the video video store that my parents had signed up with um, to rent Star Trek two to watch it again, and I was heartbroken again. I mean, I'd already probably seen it a couple of times, but back then. Um, and I, I'm, I'm returning the video, and I'm, the whole time since I saw it the night before, I'm thinking, man, you know, they should not have killed Spock. They should not have killed Spock. And I return the video, and I put it back on its rack, and I see Star Trek Three next to it. <laughs> and that's how I found out that there was Star Trek Three Search for Spock. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. uh, and yeah, and and, and uh, um, so I, I, you know, grabbed it off the shelf right away and devoured it that night. But anyway. Um, Stand a bit tangent. Um, going back to Wrath of Khan for a second. Yeah, I mean, I was I was heartbroken. That was a, a very you know a much more literal first degree reaction, gut reaction, um, because I was a kid. Um, of course, there's the there's the adult you know now that I you know, when I watched the movie back with the time that I've had to 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 process it and watch it a few more hundred times. <laughs> um, I think that uh, in a way, although although I don't think they, they meant that. Um, I think the way that two works, the Wrath of Khan works is more as a setup. Um, I don't think it really tells us how to deal with loss. I don't think Kirk really has dealt with the loss of Spock in the film. Um, I think really um, the lesson of Wrath of Khan in a way actually doesn't pay off until later. Um, it's a setup for what's going to happen later. And they didn't mean it like that, but it's the, I, th I think it still works out as if they had meant it. And I think that it, it really is more about the immediate impact 
um, and how um, it, it is almost a stage of denial. And actually, I know this, this might be controversial, but you know, at the end of the film, when Kirk um, is on the bridge with Bones and, and Carol, and uh, she asks him how he feels, and he says, young, and, and you know, Bones says, um, you know, as, as long as we remember him, he's not gone. I mean, all these things are true, and that's the uplifting note of the film, but that is actually a stage of denial when you go through loss, um, the loss of life, you know, especially in this case. Um, and, and, you know, it's when you haven't really dealt with the reality um, that that person, those persons that are gone, are gone, gone. They're not just gone for the night. They're not just gone for a week or a month. You're not just going to miss them a little bit. They're just not coming back. That physicality, that presence is gone. And so usually you have that first stage where you're kind of like, not that you find a positive note to to the loss, but you, you're kind of like, okay, it's, you know, I, I get it. I get it. And you don't. And, and really, it, it works perfectly. If, if there had not been another Star Trek film, it would still work beautifully. But to me, it gains all its power. And even at, almost as soon as Star Trek three begins, because, and that's, I love to watch when I'm, whenever I can now, if I'm going to watch those movies, I try to watch them back to back. Um, because the fact that you transition from that to, you know, a couple of days later, you know, however much later when, but instant, essentially immediately right after, um, they return to Earth, and it's almost the opening sequence of, of Search for Spock, which is the perfect counterbalance. It's Kirk realizing at this point how alone he is without Spock. Yeah, it's hit him. Yeah, yeah, and that's that to me. That that's where the real life lesson is, and and it's not you know because of where the movie goes, Search for Spock. It's not down. It's it's not a down note. It actually also manages to bring you back up. Um, because that's that then he goes you have to go through denial so you can go through acceptance and so then by the end you can move on and learn the lesson um, but I think that that those two scenes really work so well together and and in a way you know of course the opening monologue which is such a, a powerful counterbalance to the way that two closes and then after that the scene where he goes into Spock's quarters and it's almost like facing the ghost of the friend he's he's lost um i think it's, it's, very, it's very very powerful yeah it, it is and a couple things from from star trek too everything you said spot on I, I think there were there were two other elements there that um you know you sometimes it's not necessarily dealing with the loss but the reality that we're mortal and having just turned 50 recently <laughs> there was Definitely a lot of um, the things that I couldn't relate to as much in Star Trek to I could all of a sudden. Uh, you realize, and, and we do as we age anyway. I'm sure we hit it at 40 or 45 or whatever. But 50 is kind of a big number. Uh, you, you know, it's definitely a milestone birthday in the sense that, you know, you can't really say middle age anymore. <laughs> 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 the fraction, the, the, the decimal is, is sliding. Anyway, um, and 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 so that whole piece of that movie of of dealing with the fact that he has he has to step out of the chair. Other people have to have that opportunity, right? And that's that's what happens. You grow, and then you become an admiral. And if you're if you're good, or you retire. And um, you know, he's he's flying a uh, a GD computer console when he when he ought to be out there hopping galaxies. We know that. But and, and he's struggling with that piece, and he's working his way through it. And you almost think that 
that kind of sense that he has um, is is powerful in in the movie. And you know, before Spock's death, kind of in a sense, wakes him up a little bit. You know, there there's it's it's bigger than you are. Um, you know, stop worrying about your life ending and start living and 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 move ahead. And you kind of see that evolve in the movie based on the the circumstances that happen. He's He's thrust back into his his old role. There's nobody who could take on Khan the way Kirk could. There's you know if Spock were captain, not saying he wouldn't be able. It just might have had a different outcome because of their their ability to lead, drive, and and, and problem solve, work together as a team. Let's say. Yeah, absolutely. You have, you have you're you're completely right, and I think that's another th- another important thing for Star Trek to to know. And to note is Star Trek deals with loss, but it's not always the loss of life, the loss of a loved one. It's loss in many ways. Um, and, and in a way, you're right, a, a very powerful story of, of Wrath of Khan is um, how you can lose yourself sometimes. That's right. Um, and, and it's really, you know, one of the, one of the strongest um, story arcs of the film is how Kirk has lost himself at the beginning of the film and how he finds himself through, you know, all the events that happen and how the people around him, including Khan in a way, um, contribute to bring himself, to bring him back to who he is. Um, and I think that's part of the genius of, of having a villain who wasn't just a villain, but who was part of their past because the whole theme of the film is also about who you are, your past and how that defines and you can't run away from it. You have to embrace it. And he's an antagonist, but the, 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 positive force that Khan represents is that he is this literally the the physical embodiment of Kirk's past saying I will not be denied you have to acknowledge that I exist I'm your past I'm here whether you like it or not that's right so and then and then the other piece that I thought was powerful but they didn't stick with it and they couldn't but I wish they could have or at least some kind of a follow-up to it was the loss of Scotty's nephew um you know your your sister's child um, is dead and i'm sure there's a lot of accountability that would be be coming his way you know uh if you have a nephew that that looked up to you and wanted to join starfleet you're on your first quote-unquote training mission and you come back with loss like that also equally powerful uh it was obviously very demonstrative with with him showing up with his nephew on the bridge versus sickbay but i understand the the drama the dramatic impact of that and spot yeah. closing his eyes and all of that was an incredible moment in the film that was the first i think real gut punch in star trek in quite a while was that that one scene all 10 seconds of it you know and um you know the, the give the word thing or whatever it didn't play as powerful as when that 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 turbo shaft door opened for whatever reason it just it just didn't with me i, I don't know why i thought it, it just um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's partly the way it's edited. Um, you know, there's that, it's a very, very strong visual, you know, the reveal of the door opening and right. then the way they cut back to back to back to the reactions. Mm-hmm. And, and again, in the editing, in my opinion, it's, it's cut perfectly because you have just enough, just enough repeat reaction that it really hammers home the impact yeah. Not so much that it becomes too repetitive and you lose that impact. So it's it's a, it's a very judicious choice of of uh, of uh, of really kind of like driving it home and then stopping when you need to stop. Um, it, it feels it feels very. I mean the fact and you, the fact that it, you you see I think 
and I'm, I'm sure I'll be called out in the, in the Babel conference if I'm wrong, but I, I, I think that the last cut, the last reaction cut is on Savic. Um, but either way, you know, the fact that she reacts the way she does and right. she's supposed to be even more so than Spock at this point, the, the unemotional one that really kind of like punctuates it with, yeah, this is the reality of what happens in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just the ship taking a, a punch. It was, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was a great scene for Star Trek. We just hadn't seen that happen. It's been intimated. You think about the city of the edge of forever. We don't see, you know, Joan Collins after the accident or anything along like that. That's why it was such a, and it was a shock and awe type of, of impact. And, uh, to show you that there, there's more than just lasers going off and explosions in the ship. It's, uh, it, it pulls us back into that movie, I think, in a very, very dramatic way. And it's also kind of dismissed equally as fast uh, as, as its impact on Scotty. Like I said, for, for the right reasons. It's, it, that wasn't the, the crux of the film. It was there for drama. It had its emotional punch, and they moved on. And apparently Scotty does too, right? I mean... You know, don't give me too many bumps. He seems right as rain by the end of that the end of that show. But of course, he's got duties to perform. Okay, I think that I think that's good. Now, now before we started the show off, Mike, Nick, when we were talking about Star Trek Three, man, I wish I had recorded it because um, it was you, you talk about that. And I know it's 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 your favorite movie. It's Zach's favorite movie. I love it as well. Um, you know, it's it's definitely up there. Uh, but there was so much that went on. In Star Trek Three, it's it's almost hard to capture it all. Um, you, you look back at that movie, and you think of all the things that were introduced in that movie. We don't often talk about all the things that were lost in that movie. So uh, I don't know if we can recapture that lightning in a bottle, but I'm certainly going to let you have that opportunity. <laughs> all right, I'll do my best. Um, no pressure. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, Star Trek Three is a middle chapter, right? And and again, it may not have been, I don't, you know, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't think um, that they were really thinking in that sense at the time, you know, we weren't really quite in the franchise era film of Hollywood. So they weren't thinking, they weren't trying to build this, you know, big cinematic universe and, and, and write a trilogy, but it, it worked out that way. And, and so the, nonetheless, the result is there. It is a middle chapter, middle chapters, you know, in, in books and film, um, even like within one film that has a three act structure, the second act, the middle chapter always or very often get kind of the short end of the stick because they're in the middle. And so in and out of themselves, they're the ones that, that they, they need the beginning and the conclusion to really soar and to really make sense. But at the same time, because they're the middle, they are usually, they're often structure wise where a lot of the meat is. Um, because anyone will tell you setting up a great story is easy. The what if premise, a hook, it's really easy. Anyone can come up with a great what if idea. What if blah, blah, blah. And that's basically your act one. You're telling the audience, this is what's going on. The conclusion is not easy, but it's easier to pull off because it's basically, it's, it's wrapping things up. It's, 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 satisfying and whether it's a climactic action scene or whether it's whether it's a kiss where you really struggle is always the middle chapter because that's where you you want to develop the characters you want to develop the arcs at the same time as you still you don't want to get boring you want to keep interest um and 
Star Trek three is a perfect example, in my opinion, of a perfect middle chapter. Um, yes, it's a story that, that works with Wrath of Khan. So you need to have the introduction. Um, yes, it, it soars even more when you see Star Trek four because Star Trek four brings you this really awesome, satisfying conclusion in every sense um, of, the, of the word. But it, it is the meat of that trilogy. And, you know, in Star Trek Three, what I love, what made it my favorite film, well, I told you how I found out that Spock was coming back. So that was alone to really make it, to, to, to make it the, the, the best. But there is, to me, that's, Star Trek Three is Kirk's Kobayashi Maru. Um, it's, not, it's not the Wrath of Khan. You know, in, in, um, in Star Trek Two, you have to set up it, Star Trek II is kind of the early part of the Kobayashi Maru. It's basically when you're told by the computer, this is what's going on. And then Star Trek III is where Kirk has to make the decisions and he has to take the test. Um, Star Trek II is Spock's Kobayashi Maru, but Star Trek III is where Kirk really has to face the reality um, of a no-win scenario. No matter what happens, he's going to lose. And what he goes through um, I think is, like you said, there's so much on a personal level. He loses so much. Sarek says it at the end of the film, um, at what cost? Your ship, your son. And, you know, his ship is, as we've said, you know, as you guys, you and Zach have, have said before, his ship is everything to Kirk and he loses that. He's just, he knew he had a son, but he's just found his son. He's just gotten an opportunity in life to begin a relationship with his son. And then his son dies like right there and then. Um, and, um, and, and yet um, he has, like you said, it's, it's a, it's a very Kirk kind of trait. He has the ability as he's grieving to understand that life, only, there's no what if there's only what is. And so what needed to happen happened and he's already processing the fact that he could only go one way. He could only embrace his life and then try to find the lesson to learn to move on and to transform the bad things that happen into a positive outcome. And in this case, it's, it's you know, his best friend coming back to life or helping him return. Um, but when Kirk says, you know, if I hadn't tried, the cost would have been my soul. I think it's really, you know, I think what he's saying is, is what you were talking about. It's Kirk realizing our experiences and our choices, even the ones that are painful, is it makes us who we are. And so we have no other choice because if we run away from that, we're, we're going to lose our heart. We're going to lose our soul. And that's, that's, a, that's a worse fate than, than the saddest possible loss you can face. If you just live as a husk where you're, you're alive and you're, you're not facing your choices and you're not yourself, it's far worse than dealing with grief, far worse, far worse than your own, de your own death. Um, and that's what, he's, that's what he's expressing, I think. No, I think so too. Well, I, one, you did a great job. I think you recaptured it. I don't want to stick my foot through a uh, Picasso on that one. So oh. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. I, I you know, the... Um, the, the impacts and the story arcs for so much of the rest of the Star Trek series, not just the rest of the movies, not just TNG, but all of them, a lot of things stem from Star Trek Three. the directions that they took things, the boldness and where they went, uh, the, uh, the ships and the, and the different um, space. It, it, there was so much that came out of Star Trek Three beyond just 
um, the drama, the impact, and getting Spock back, it, it is amazing. Uh, what, what that very, I guess, under, under I, I don't know if it has the, the, the popularity or the discussions that a lot of the movies have. I think because of Zach's passion for it, uh, your passion for it, and others, it's, it's gained, and even the discussion that they had with uh, Tony Black a few weeks ago, I thought it was great, and um, there's there's a lot of things that that are pulled from this film, and that's why it's I it, you know I I think you you captured the essence of all of it, and uh, and we had talked earlier about about Scotty's reaction to the Enterprise kind of being a, maybe a, a little bit of a gap, but but something that would have been a, a very difficult thing to write in in the pacing of the film. So as we as we as we go beyond Star Trek three, uh, you know four is. A celebration of life. Let's 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 have some fun. Let's let's save the whales. Let's save the planet. Let's do it in a way that uh, you know there's there's very little drama. There's no villain, so to speak. You know, other than a group of Russian whalers, I guess. I don't know, but <laughs> were they even Russian? I don't know what they were. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was it was hinted at. Yeah, that they were Russian. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it was legal for Russians and Japanese back then to to, mm-hmm. to hunt whales and. Um, nice to see that the humpback whale population, I always wonder how the impact of movies go. Um, and I don't want to give them too much credit for the, you know, for, for, for the actions of Greenpeace, Sea Shepherd and other big environmental groups that, that, that drive the awareness of what we're doing to ourselves. But there had to be some from that movie, I would hope that at least brought in awareness. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in Star Trek was... It wasn't. It hadn't reached the height of its popularity, but it was headed there. So I'm sure. I'm sure it played a role. Yeah, that was the at the time the most um, commercially yeah. successful of all yeah. the, of all the Star Trek movies. So it, it yeah. did well. Uh, Star Trek Five. It's it's tough for me to talk about Star Trek Five because it just didn't execute well. <laughs> it's tough uh, for a lot of people, Ken. <laughs> it is. I know. I know. But you know, it is funny. The, the, I, I see a lot of nostalgia. Uh, you know, a lot of the conversations and. The, um, the relationship of the three and kind of, you know, aging together and, and spending their time together. And, you know, there, there was the, um, the scenes with uh, Cybok on the, um, I don't know what deck it was. It was probably the coolest deck I'd ever seen on. I know, right? Themes. And we I mean, never it saw it again. And I, I just love, I love that deck. I love the, yeah, the, with the, uh, the, uh, the wheel. It's just so beautiful. I was yeah. like, man, I want to, I want to go back there. Yeah, I mean, it really captures the essence of its nautical history, you know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and I love that. But that but that scene with McCoy obviously was very powerful with his dad, and and it kind of does. You could kind of, I guess, in your head, go back, you know, and and I very well aware that none of it is connected, none of it. And a different group of writers come in and they do their own thing, and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But it does help define who he is a lot, I think, in his character. Absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely. I think I think we 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 get, and that's definitely one of the nuggets of gold of, of Final Frontier. We get this huge character revelation about Bones um, that is very insightful about you know who he is, why he is the way he is. Um, and it's another, it's funny because again, it's another, if you want to kind of get at it a little bit, it's another one of these moments of like self-analysis because I mean, it's about the loss of his father. Um, there's one, one level of, of kind of you know, reflection that you can have about, and that's something that Star Trek does so well. Um, and when it comes to, to life and, and death, um, but as well as other themes where it kind of poses an idea and it doesn't really take sides. It just says, well, there's one side of, of, you know, the, right. the opinion and then there's the other side 
and then we'll leave you with that. And um, the fact that he has this thing where, where he, you know, first talks about seeing his father in pain and, and what he was going through and wanting to ease that and then finding out, you know, after it happened that the disease for the cure was discovered and what could have happened if he hadn't, you know, eased his father's pain. Um, is very powerful and, and what he would have, he'd have to live with that the rest of his life. Um, but there's also, you know, what I thought was interesting in that moment was, I mean, without getting like too Freudian or whatever, you know, your father is basically that's, that's, it's, a, it's symbolically, it's another version of yourself. Sure. And it's interesting to see, you know, the, the approach that he has to the concept of life and death when he is diagnosed with a terminally, you know, with a terminal illness, um, in the time of TOS and the approach that he has when it's his father, you know, which is another, another part of ourselves. Um, so that, that, that I thought was definitely, a, 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 one of the big goal things you can get out of final frontier. And it's, it's, a, that's what, that's one of the things I love about Star Trek in general is that even bad Trek <laughs> almost always will give you some moments of pure gold. You know, I, Nick, I think we're aligned there. There, there isn't a Star Trek I won't watch. You know, there there isn't there isn't anything that bad that I will say no, I I will not watch it, and um, just 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 the way we're wired because there you're right there there's elements in all of it or something nostalgic even if it's just our old friends getting back together and and being able to enjoy some time together even if the circumstances aren't that great and that happens in life all the time too right if you think about it you. You know, you're you're together in the good and the bad, but you're together, and that's yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, through, Absolutely, through yeah. that lens, and and some of them are more difficult than others sometimes to get through, and you just go, oh, this is you know, or sometimes when you go, this is just not who this character is, or they didn't capture that right, or you know, it, 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 are those strings on that shuttlecraft? Are they swinging it into the bay? <laughs> and you're just like, what the heck is going on? Uh, with well, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, like your best friends, right? So, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of the things about friendship versus family, you know, is, you know, you choose your friends and, you know, you have these moments with your friends, right? Where you're like, did he just say that? Of did course. He, you know, <laughs> I can't believe what came out of his mouth. But at the same time, you're like, but this is the guy I love because blah, blah, blah. And so, and that's, that's what builds friendships. It's, it's those moments as much as the, as much as the, the really deep, you know, amazing ones. It's the moments where you're like, oh my God, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and the ability to, to, to jump over that comment, you know, it is, it is so funny. Uh, uh Oh, standard orbit tangent. Um, the, um, you know, the, the social media aspect and, and quote unquote, what friends are and what friends aren't and people shutting off and getting shut down because of an opinion one way or the other, where 15 years ago or much, much less, you would never know um, what somebody's innermost thoughts are on certain subjects. And you certainly wouldn't be labeling them one way or the other because their actions are defining how you accept them as well as their words. And you're right. Sometimes you say, I can't believe this guy thinks this way, but I know his heart. You know, and that's that changes everything. <laughs> and and that's you know that, that that's the beauty again of friendship is that when it's a when it's a parent when it's a sibling, um, you and that's another form of love. But but you you kind of say, well, I have no choice because that's my dad, that's my brother, that's my sister. Right. Um, the friend, I think that there's a, a lesson there in, in maturity, you know, which Star Trek deals with all the time too, which is that you you learn to process to disassemble the parts you like from the person, the parts that you don't like, that annoy you or whatever, that are silly. And in the end, reassemble the whole thing. And you, 
I think this is what builds the love of, of a friend is you, you realize that, okay, well, I know the, the parts that I don't like about this person. And I still choose to love them for, for who they are as a friend. Um, and, that, you know, that to bring it back to Star Trek, I think it's the same thing with, uh, with Trek. It's basically, you know, you, you can see the parts that are clunky at times, the, the episodes of the movies that don't work as well. But you learn to kind of to see what you love about it and make the choice in the end that the, the whole, the sum of it is still, is still amazing. That's right. So Captain Kirk, Star Trek Six, let them die. What, right? And you, and, you, and you just go, did he just say that? And, and, and that's, that's a great example of what you were just illustrating there, I think, is, you know, we love this guy. He is um, a, a wonderful person to, to emulate and to and kind of uh, follow and say, I'd, I'd like to be like him. But yet he's human, right? He, he's human. And, and, he, and I know that um, when he said it and there was a little bit of chopped editing where he's supposed to have this reaction, like he, he regrets the fact that it came out of his mouth. That has happened to all of us. Um, an emotional response that, that sweeps with a broad brush that's very impactful, but you forgive and you move on. But I think, that, and that, of course, just getting into Star Trek VI, that whole movie is about redemption. It's, um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very odd that there, there's two dichotomy, there's a, there's a huge dichotomy going on in the movie, that the bad guys and the good guys are working together so that they can keep the hate relationship alive, which is just bizarre, just on its on its so, face, right? <laughs> they're, that, they're 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 achieving in trying to undermine. They're they're achieving what they're trying to undermine by trying to undermining it. It's, it's incredible, right? I mean, you 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 just you just sit back and you go, huh? You know, how how could this not be be spun into a positive or even with um, <laughs> the, to, uh, Valeris saying, you know. Yes, these old people, you know, they're working to to kill their own leader and working, and, and it's like you're all doing the same thing. <laughs> you're, you're all doing it, the every exact time same I, thing. Every time I see it, I wish that there was one of those classic, you know, Kirk Fu scenes where he actually almost talks Chang down. I know it would be much less exciting by showing him that he's actually doing what he's trying to prevent. Right. They found a common ground. You forge an alliance with the Federation. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the, the goal is horrific. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is a wild movie in that sense. And I think that, uh, it, it, you know, it, it, that happens in life a lot. There, there are people that come together to, to, that would never normally work together to drive something that isn't necessarily positive. And it's, mm-hmm. it is an odd world. And I think it captures that, whether it meant to, I'm not really sure. I know it was uh, Denny Martin Flynn and um, Nicholas Meyer both wrote aspects of it. I don't remember who wrote what. And I, mm-hmm. I, I know that it wasn't originally attended by Leonard Nimoy to be a, um, a Manchurian candidate type of movie. It was, I think, from when I, when I read Nimoy's book, his, his, the, the, the I, Am, uh, I Am Spock, he kind of said, I, I was looking to go in a different direction about coming together not just, you know, I think the working relationship between the two was to solve the issue, not to create the problem. And uh, it just went in another direction. But it was still executed well, because that does happen. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's bizarre to me, you know. It's, it's a really bizarre thing. And you see that, you know, without getting too political, but you, see, you do see that in life all the time, right? Sure. You see um, uh, people at complete opposite ends of the political spectrum. And, and when you analyze sometimes the rhetoric or the actions, you realize 
well, you guys are kind of both doing the same thing. <laughs> it, right. And sometimes it almost feels like a, like a pro wrestling match. You almost, you're like, it's, it's, uh, you know, if you, if you, someone told me that you guys had gone in a room before and scripted it, it, it couldn't play out better because it really feels like you're almost working together that's to right. achieve something that's not, like you said, that's not necessarily good, but you're still, you know, while, while acting as if you are at each other's throat, it feels like you're actually play acting and it's part of a scenario that you guys almost worked out, you know, and it feels that, that, that parallel. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's surreal. It is surreal, uh, but yeah, still a, a great movie and a, and a great way for the uh, the original cast and crew to to exit. I thought the series and um, yeah, and I think you know, I mean, definitely you talked about the, all the ways that Star Trek Three was relevant, important, even essential, and I think that that it pays off even here. You know, you have, I mean, the loss of David in Star Trek Three as much as it's, as it's sometime you know looked down on by some fans who say well you know that undermines him just discovering David and, and two I think that it really it pays off in so many ways and and you see you see it pay off here you see it pay off in the beginning like you said uh you see he has almost this Darth Vader moment when he says let them die and and right. it's it's you see it for all the growth he's already had and he's had a lot of it um we talked about that there's a moment where you realize that that part of him hasn't grown yet. He hasn't come to term with that. And I think in that sense, it's brilliant that they, you know, again, it's a, it's a great editing choice that Meyer did to cut out of that reaction and cut to Spock's reaction because right. Spock at, at that point is us and goes, Whoa, where did that come from? Um, and, and he realizes he, he still all these years later has not resolved that issue. And, and then the movie takes you on the path to that resolution. And so by the end, when he has that moment where he tells as a boar, you know, you help restore my son's life, uh, or his faith. I mean, that it really shows you that, that, that story is, and again, dealing with loss is the lesson to Kirk personally was it helped him, it helped him understand um, how death can become meaningful and can take on a positive, can be a lesson. And, and sometimes, you know, I, 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 I lost my wife and, and I remember, you know, uh, not long after her, her passing, having a conversation with my parents, because my parents who have been married for over 60 years were having a pointless bickering argument. Mm -hmm. um, and I got so mad at them. And, and I said, you know, my parents love my wife and, and I said, okay, you know, I know life is life and I know, and I know, you know, things are going to happen and I'm not trying to judge you, but at the same time, you're in a position right now, because it was literally within, within weeks of her passing sure. where you, you have the opportunity to learn um, the lesson that it is to not have the chance to be with someone for 60 years. Um, and not only that, but like, it wasn't from my perspective. It was from that of my wife. And I said, you know, she, she, she's not going to have those moments. She's not, we're, we're not going to get to argue as 80 year olds because right. she's gone. And so, and it's not to make you feel bad. It's so that, you know, let her be a positive influence because she, if she would, if she could, she would want her that, that, that reality that she's not going to be there to be a lesson for you so that you can actually enjoy this moment. Or if you're going to argue, be able to resolve that quicker 
and remind yourself and say, oh, you know what? This person, let, let her death be a lesson that we need to enjoy every moment. We need to, we need to just, just not argue over stupid things and just be happy that we're together and we can hold hands. And I think that, that it is genuinely, you know, I, I always try to remember, whether it's her or other people, when people die, I think the least we can do is basically use that um, as a lesson for us to enjoy the things that, the gifts that we have in our life every day. Um, and that makes that makes their passing, you know, more meaningful and more it's hard to say, but more positive in a way, you know, for us, they, they give us something, another gift after, after they're gone. The perspective changes completely. It's really what it is. And there's not a lot of people that can understand that or, or drive in, in that direction. I think, I think intellectually we can, but emotionally, if, if, if no one's ever experienced anything like that, it's, it's very hard to capture. Um, because you've you've lived your life a certain way, so I, it's when you say married for sixty years, God bless him. That's <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but I know with a, a, with with uh, a lot of people's folks and so forth. You know, I think they've been bickering for fifty years, <laughs> and that's that's actually how they communicate. And it oh, you're yeah, you're it, it, it doesn't right. take away the fact that they love each other. But it's funny how, and I don't mean funny in a humorous sense. So forgive me with that. But it is it is interesting how how the devastating impact on on yourself or whatever has you looking at that going no 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 you you need to cherish this moment no don't don't waste it doing this this is this is ridiculous and that's all they know right that's just yeah i mean and and like you said in in their case in the case of my parents it's really i mean it is you have to laugh it's at this point it's become part of their dna as a couple it's it's they're they're basically you know the, the the odd couple they they that's they bicker all the time um, and at the same time, as I know, like, you know, they're, they're always at each other's throat like that. But I also know that the, you can you can tell the, the moment that one of them has a problem. The other one is is near, you know, hysterical panicked with, you know, trying to make sure that OK, you know, so it, it, it's just, yeah, that but otherwise they're kind of always saying, you know, ah, your dad, ah, your mom. <laughs> it, it is it is uh, it is comical in that way in terms of. Of of watching how how people have been together for a long time and it's it's you know, and and it's almost like sometimes ah, I just wish this or wish that and they never mean it and you're right and the second something goes uh, the other direction, you you see the whole yeah uh, the the, 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 the other the, side comes 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 out right away you're like yep that's that's literally <laughs> I mean this person they 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 have become one person at this point you know they're they're one one entity basically. Right. And so they can no longer, they can no more be separate from one another than, than your arm from, from you, you know? Sure. Sure. Binars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They're dysfunctional binars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay. So let's, let's, um, let's, let's hit the reboots for a few seconds here as we wind down the show. Uh, you know, they definitely started off probably in the most dramatic fashion Yep. Um, any Star Trek film, <laughs> yep. and you know any episode that that's ever occurred, I I can't think of another one that that touches the the emotion, the drama, the loss, the impact. And to be honest, maybe the most beautiful scene ever filmed in any Star Trek. Anyway, it was was the beginning of the of the O nine movie. No, absolutely, and that that is something that I will completely give J.J. Abrams, and that's something that he's always been able to do very well. Um, uh, I, I am, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I respect, um, JJ's work a lot. Um, both 
uh, on screen, on the big screen and for TV. And uh, you do see that in a lot of his projects, a lot of the, the bad robot projects have, uh, it's almost like, like, like a signature. Uh, they will do this thing where they, uh, that's again, editing comes into place. He, he'll cross cut something very intimate, very, very, very human, very basic human you know, experience happening at the same time as something really big over the top is going on. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you see it in the shows that he was very involved with, you know, before he, he went to the movies, you know, Alias, you see it um, in shows that he kind of uh, uh, sort of burst and then moved away from like Lost. Lost was like, was, that was one of their trademarks. They would always do these things. And, and, and I thought it was amazing that, they, that he carried that over into 09. And it was, I, I cannot think of a better way to open that movie, um, to open up a, a reboot of the Star Trek um, story than by showing, you know, the birth of Jim Kirk and the, the way that he set up again, this cross cutting, it happens in these tragic circumstances. And yet somehow it is still uplifting, you know, uh, it, it's, it's extremely powerful. Uh, and, uh, I, I hope that the, you know, he mentioned as part of the promotion for beyond that the fourth movie would feature George Kirk, um, and and I really hope it's not just it wasn't just promotional fluff to try to get buzz going around the time of Beyond, um, because it, it is one of the things that works the best about '09 and about the reboots, you know. And and, and it, like we were talking about for for Search for Spock, it it sets off um, the character arcs literally for everything that's happened in the in the in the Kelvin timeline. It, it still comes from that moment, um, and. <clears throat> the destruction of the Kelvin and the Narada, but literally just a, Kirk's birth. Kirk's birth is the birth of the Kelvin timeline. <laughs> That's right. And and so, you know, I, I'm really interested to see, you know, I think it's a great idea for them to kind of loop it back. And I don't know if that would mean that the fourth movie would be kind of the closure of the Kelvin timeline, but either way, uh, to see how they would do that. And and uh, it was it was an amazing thing. And, and I do love the fact that we get this kind of more modern, serialized almost story arc of seeing how it defines Kirk. Um, even though I didn't like Into Darkness, I did I did like some aspects that had to do uh, with him and, and Pike and, and the fact that Pike has become his, you know, de facto father figure. You know? That's right. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And, uh, and then beyond, I think it pays off really well because, you know, you have that opening scene again with him and McCoy and Bones in the beginning and, and you see that it's still, he still carries that chip over his shoulder. Yeah, he does. And I think to your point, the, the launch of the whole series starts with that moment. And I'm not a big fan of Into Darkness either. Again, I'll watch it. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a spectacularly well-filmed movie in terms of, um, cinematography and, and pacing and all that stuff it just it just doesn't it's, it's not a star trek universe it's a star wars universe i think but and that's okay it's but but that moment when when pike gets killed to me was as powerful as any other scene that i'd seen in any star trek film you know i, I it was very real i thought um it was it was devastating i i, I think how you know, just like a dad, he's he's disciplining his son for being a fool and being careless. And, you know, just because you're lucky doesn't make you good. And uh, and then in the next scene, he's got his arms around him and, and, and you know, 
not in the literal sense. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to walk you through it. You're going to be my first officer, and we're going to get you there. And then, obviously, the loss and how a son would react to that is is exactly how Kirk reacted to that. Not as a Starfleet officer, not as a captain, but this guy just got my dad. I'm going to get this SOB, you know, whatever it takes, and that was his focus. I think that was lost on his shipmates. You know, they're, they're thinking more along the lines is, no, the rules say you do this, this, and this, and you're doing this, and it's, that's, that's, that's not how it works. But they, they weren't capturing the essence of, of what Pike meant to him, which is interesting since Spock mind-melded with him, you know, Pike just before he died. Another interesting aspect, you know. Yeah, you know, you're, you're totally right. And I think, I think, I mean, that's my favorite scene in the film is the scene at the bar. Um, I love that scene. Um, and again, you know, we talked about these gold nuggets, uh, even when, when Star Trek doesn't, when Star Trek fails, it still produces really awesome elements. And that moment um, is so beautiful. And a lot of it is really paid off by the, 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 the skill of the actors, the two actors in the scene. And, and Chris Pine is amazing. Like he has, that's, I mean, it really comes, comes alive to me when, when he, he comes to the bar and tells Kirk that he's, he's bringing him back as, as his XO. Um, and he's like, you know, you'll be all right. And, and, uh, and you, there's that moment where you, you can see Kirk is almost on the verge of tears and, and it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's love. Basically he, he realizes, man, this guy, I love this guy. He's, he's like my dad basically. Um, and that, that, like you said, really motivates very well how he would react you know, at the, at the loss of, of this, of this person immediately after almost. Um, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate the film failed to capitalize on that. It got mired in trying to think to be too complex and having too many plot twists and be too epic, where I think that if it had followed a little more the DNA of the old TOS films and if, if they had realized, but I mean, you know, 2020 hindsight, it's easy for us to see it after the fact once the movie is edited and released. But if, if you had latched on to the fact that, that really the, the core, the emotional strength of the movie is that scene at the bar and that it works as a perfect setup for Kirk's reaction, that could have helped the story focus more on that instead of like the big set pieces, which then could have made, because there, there is a great story there. Um, but I think it just got lost in, in trying to be too much of a big sci-fi epic, and 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 that was there, but it wasn't it wasn't strong enough. Um, but I do I did love how it, it comes back in Beyond, and you have, of course, Beyond deals with loss uh, with Spock as well. Yes, um, of course. I mean, I think I think in that sense, you know, Kirk is already a couple of steps ahead because he's had he's been that our Kelvin timeline Kirk has been dealing with that literally since he was born and trying to resolve that idea. Uh, I mean, he has his challenges and he's obviously still trying to face, it's more personal, you know, um, how to, I think he's on the verge of kind of yeah, that identity crisis we talked about for Kirk in Wrath of Khan, like losing himself, not knowing what is Jim Kirk about. And even Bones tells him that, you know, you have to find out who Jim Kirk is. Right. Um, but Spock is the one who obviously uh, deals with, with loss. And, and we talked about how father figures are symbols for part of ourselves. I mean, literally here we have, you know, we have Spock 1.0, Spock Prime, who is him, but also a father, but him and everything that that means. And, and, and I think, you know, again, you have kind of that, that idea of like um, learning, learning what, it, what it's like or 
the possibility of losing yourself, which is something that Spock almost, it almost happens to him. And in the end, he realizes who he really is and what he's about. And I think that in that, that ties into an idea we've been talking about before, you know, um, in how the loss of someone, again, can be honored um, in helping you to really embrace who you are and live your life to the fullest. And I think this is the lesson that Spock, um, Kelvin timeline Spock learns. I think his, his gut reaction at first is to say, oh, well, I should honor the loss of this person by doing what they were doing. That's right. Um, and then he learns, no, if you really want to honor this person, you should do, you should be who you are and you should live your life. You know, let the fact that someone lost their life be a lesson that you, you are alive now and you get to live and you don't get these moments back. So live them to the fullest. That's right. That's right. Yep. The, uh, carpe diem, as we say, right? Seize the day and drive forward. I, I, I think what this does for me, Nick, is it, is it brings it all full circle, especially when you get to beyond. I saw Spock's journey as my journey, as our journey, as Star Trek fans mourning the loss of Leonard Nimoy. And I thought that was what was so special of how, um, you know, Simon Pegg and, and Doug, I don't know if I say his right, his last name, Doug Jung, if that's, if that's correct or not, but how these two writers, I think, honored the entire franchise with Beyond. And you can criticize some plot elements here and there, but to me, it was all about the fans and, and, and about the people that have been on this emotional journey for 50 years. Uh, you know, it was the only thing really Paramount did big to celebrate its, its 50 year anniversary. I'll tell you, it, you know, for to hit such an iconic number um, and, and not to do more, and they could have done a lot more. Um, it was, was a shame, but this movie, I think did a lot to make up for that, uh, in, in honoring the, the previous cast. There is few emotional moments in Star Trek that struck me when, when, um, Spock looked at that picture, that casting picture from Star Trek five. It just was like, yeah, okay, here's the connection. I've, I've always struggled with, you know, I'm, I'm, I love Star Trek and I, I love, comic book movies, things like that. I, I enjoy it. I don't get lost in their universes, quote unquote. I don't get lost in timelines. Um, I'm, a, I'm a linear person. I don't, you know, alternative this, alternative that. I just, I just flush it out of my head because I really don't care about it. Um, what I liked is, is, is how it, it connects. I don't, I don't consider Chris Pine's Kirk or Spock to be different from William Shatner's or Leonard Nimoy's. I really don't. Uh, we're just looking at it through a younger a lens that bef before we knew them, this is how they grew up and there were circumstances that impacted that timeline. I get it. Um, but for me, this, you, you know, is, is, is people, I guess, who have that, um, that ability to, to jump in their imaginations um, and, and beyond what I can do for whatever reason. This, this thing was like how I... It, it helped me kind of um, pull it all back in, and it, and it allowed me to really enjoy the reboots. I've always enjoyed them. Uh, you know, there's only been three, but I, I've always enjoyed them. I, I love the cast. I love everything. But to me, this is what that, that one moment was like, you know what? It, it is all the original cast, the TOS movies, and the reboots. It's all one. And that's why this, this podcast pulls it all together more than anything, because that's 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 just how it's viewed. I, um, I, you know, when I when I see the 
the DC and they talk about, you know, there's there's these TV shows that I honestly I never watch, but you know, and then the movies or whatever which I do see and how they're not connected because they're different. I just like I don't even want to deal with it. <laughs> I could care less. You know, it's just like I just want to be entertained, show me something, but 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 let me have something that's constant so I can put it together. You know, and uh and this this really for me I thought was just just incredible, but I I do appreciate the the makers of this film making a, a couple of special moments to help us remember what made Leonard Nimoy and that Spock character so wonderful and um, and allowing Zachary Quinto, Quinto, I think, is doing a great job in carrying that mantle. But I'll think of that, 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 that's, that, that whatever it was, 20 seconds of showing that picture and going, yep, it's all one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, you're absolutely, I, I couldn't have put it better. It's, it's such great connective tissue. And you really feel, again, we know the realities of Hollywood and it's, it's fine. You know, we know that it's a business. We know, you know, what motivates a lot of the actions that are taken behind the scenes. Sure. Um, but, but nonetheless, the, the, you can feel also when there are genuine moments. And, and there's not a doubt in my mind that Star Trek Beyond is a love letter. It's a love letter to the fans. Um, it's a love letter because because the people who wrote it and produced it and directed it knew when it was going to come out. But I think it's also just a love letter, and and it's one of those moments where you feel it. That that particular scene, um, you know that 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 this is kind of like like Simon Pegg has said before. You know that this is that moment where where the guy is like looking at the at his keyboard as he's writing the script, going man, I can't believe how cool it is that I'm writing this, you know, that I'm writing a Star Trek film because yeah. I'm a Star Trek fan. And, and I think there's another moment to me that, um, that comes across like that. And, and unfortunately, we talk about lost circumstances, you know, led to that moment really kind of getting even more power. Um, it's the, it's the, that scene at the end when, when um, Kirk and Spock walk in, you know, uh, and Spock set up the surprise party, or it's Bones, actually, Bones and Kirk, and, and, and they toast, and Kirk says to absent friends, right. and it cuts, and it cuts to Anton, Anton Yelchin. And, you know, obviously, obviously, they did not know what was going to happen when they were, you know, I think in the, we can realistically assume, you know, I know a little bit about the timeline of, you know, editing, that when they cut that scene together, was way well before before Anton Yelchin passed away, um, but I think it, it gains more power partly because by the time we saw the movie, he had died. Um, but I think it's it's a full circle thing. It's also the fact that he had died helps us to really feel the fact that that scene is genuine because we know that it wasn't put together to honor the fact. It's not like the title card that came at the end. Which, which acknowledges him. This is a genuine moment that was captured outside of the context of what happened later. And I think the fact that we know it, it's happened by then, but we also know that it had happened then, it makes us really realize that it was a heartfelt, genuine, connective tissue moment of, of just honoring the legacy. And, and so it really makes it come together. To me, it's that and the, the scene you talked about are, are my favorite in the, in the film. Yep, and you know, I I I I'm looking. I've got a uh, an incredible uh, piece of history in, in my office, which is uh, 
it's it's an autograph from all the the main cast of of Beyond, including Anton. And uh, I just keep looking at that picture because he seems like he's always looking back. And um, you're right; it it was. I guess it's, you know, as we say, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. But they did capture a pretty special moment with that, and um, yeah, it brings it all home. Okay. All right, my friend. I think this has been a very um, interesting and emotional and fun journey that we've been on. I, I've enjoyed this conversation. I think for a lot of our listeners, and, and I get the feedback all the time, you know, because we, we launch on Monday mornings, uh, this is what they commute to work with. I'm hoping they find a lot of good humor in this and, and a lot of interesting things that, that come out of this discussion. Uh, I, I, for one, um, the more... Um, you know, I put on the news or watch anything, the more I go, nope, I'm putting on a podcast. <laughs> yep. Bubble, bubble. Yeah. I have a couple I, of friends. We, we're, we, like, we call it, we're, we're in our bubble. We need to be in the bubble right now. Need to be in the bubble. I'm not going to let all the, all the craziness, you know, that, that, uh, um, and all, and all the nutty things that are going on out there, um, you know, that, that really are just, just silly and, and waste of time anyway. Uh, it's it's not impactful, you know. When when real news occurs, when there's an event or something that that draws our attention or focus, I'm there. Believe me, I'm very up to date on what's going on. But I, once I get it, you know, I need I need five minutes in the morning, kind of get a brief for myself. All right, this is what's going down. Then it's like, okay, I can shut this crap off because it's not going to impact my day one way or the other. But yeah, hopefully, it's like we were saying, you know, right? Something it's starting to feel like like yeah, like uh, you're watching pro wrestling. It is, and 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 there there isn't anyone on any side on any discussion right now that to me is distinguishing themselves, and uh, and it's a damn shame. But that's that's where it is. Well, we will we will continue to work hard on on this show and others to make sure that uh, there's some good entertainment, some good thought provocation here. And Nicola is wonderful. You, you did a, a great job coming up with. Uh, a wonderful subject that I, I had a great time exploring with you. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to be, as I edit through this today or whatever, I, this is going to keep circling back. And I, I hope uh, I hope our friends on the Babel Conference and, and emails or whatever uh, give us their own opinions because this is going to, I think, impact a lot of people personally. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah, and, you know, that's one of those – Star Trek, to me, I'm always really, really touched whenever I hear a show, a podcast um, that deals with – um, that has um, testimonies of people talking about the impact that Star Trek has in their life um, and how they came to Star Trek, the moments, you know, that Star Trek was was really part of their life and helped them through this or that. And a lot of times it's very, very emotional when you hear like these testimonies that are edited together because you hear people talk about very serious life issues, not always lost, you know, but but very deep, deep moments. That's not so serious, but deep. And at the same time, again, there's always kind of a very simple, very connected, very um, uplifting tone to it. And hopefully, I mean, to me, that's, that's one of the things I love the most about Star Trek is how it can, you know, I mean, Roddenberry, of course, said it better than anyone, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make you laugh, we'll entertain you. And hopefully we can slip a couple of ideas here and there to make you think. Right. Um, and so, you know, if we, if we, if we can do that, then, then I think that's the best anyone can hope is have fun, enjoy yourself, and then maybe, you know, reflect a little bit. Absolutely. Well, Nick, thanks again for, for coming on this week and great job. Uh, thanks for, for, for the idea. I, I always enjoy our conversations, whether it's, uh, on a podcast, pre-recording or IMing back and forth. Uh, it's, 
I, I, it's it's always a lot of fun, and even on Facebook, um, <laughs> you gotta love the Facebook. Anyway, my friend, um, you you take care. We'll um, I'm sure we'll have you we'll have you on again, and we'll be coming back. We we have um, four or five good suggestions that have come in from yourself and a lot of our other listeners, which we picked up last week. So we continue to to try to come up with. Uh, pretty interesting topics to keep this show relevant. And I can't express, and I know Zach can't either express our appreciation for all of you out there that, that help us or actually come up with the very things that we discuss with, uh, that we discuss this show. It is, it's needed. Um, it's, it, it is tough coming up every, every week with new things, but this crew is un- unbelievable. Yeah. You guys, I mean, you know, I'm I'm biased because Standard Orbit is my favorite show, but I, I love I love every show. Uh, I love every show on Trek FM. But um, Standard Orbit, I'm always amazed, you know, because you guys deal with TOS, and TOS is the series. I mean, the one that started it all, but it's also the one that has the least amount of shows of all the other series. <laughs> True. And and you keep it you keep it you know I don't want to say it's not a, it's not a competition. I'm more fresh, but you you manage to come up with these awesome ideas, and they're not just original. They're the variety, you know, you have some really fun ones. You have ones that are more about trivia. Um, when you when you did the uh, the uh, the uh, the show about the history of the Enterprise, that was an amazing show, and that was you know there was a lot of like personal knowledge that went into it, and and obviously you know um, care and passion, and you could feel it, and it was just so it was you know from week to week you come up with completely different topics that are that are really interesting. So. You know, thank you for 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 putting the content out. I'm lucky that to, to, to be a little part of it. It's definitely a team effort, my friend. Very much appreciated. So, the ability for Star Trek to, I guess, take us through journeys through difficult times and and hoping and coping isn't the only thing we are discussing this week on Trek FM. So here's what else is playing elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Star Trek II had just premiered two weeks earlier, right? So everyone's all excited and flush. Oh my God, that's more like it. Was, you know, they were all excited and flush about the Wrath of Khan being out. You know, it was the number one movie. It was incredible. People were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just imagine seeing the Wrath of Khan for the first time, not knowing that it was always going to be the bar forever for every Star <laughs> Trek movie after that. Literary Treks. I'm glad we reread this. Because at the time I did read this, it was when the new movie was out. But now that we've had the three movies, as you just mentioned, and I've seen Star Trek 09 about a hundred times, I'm very familiar with the movie and not as much as with the comic now because I've only read it maybe a a couple of times. Continuing mission. You know, we were pitching our idea, Don and I, to the folks at Starbase Studios. And I vowed to myself that I wasn't going to walk on the bridge and then go sit immediately in the chair and have a picture taken of myself. However, as soon as I got on the bridge, I sat in the chair and I took a picture of myself. Uh, so, so it was like a kid in a candy store. The 602 Club. I think the problem we have, and this is just in general of all the new canon books, these books are not going to succeed unless the author focuses on one or two characters and just focuses on building a character as much as they can. I felt this was more just like you were saying, this is just more story of what's going on and not really about who these people are and why I should care about them. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at Trek.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes and helps us increase our visibility for new listeners. If you'd like to get in touch with us, here at Trek.fm, you can always find us on Trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash Trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at Trek.fm, Facebook.com slash Trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. So let me talk to you for a second about Patreon, Zach. Patreon is the program that Trek FM employs in order to get donations to keep the network coming to you commercial-free. It is wonderful. Most of the hosts here on Trek FM are big contributors to Patreon and found our way onto the network through Patreon. So if you can uh, spare any money, uh, and we don't care what the denomination is, it really means a lot to us because there is a lot of content that we're putting up there, a lot of bandwidth, a lot of programming, a lot of equipment that we need. So please, if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash track FM, and you can, you can click any donation you want. And we do have some incentives for you. So for $15 a month, you get to join the Patrons Roundtable where you podcast. And, and, you know, again, that is where a lot of us started. It was on the Roundtable. I was on the very first one. I had a blast. And if you can contribute $25 or more per month, then you get associate producer credits for whatever show you like. And we love our associate producers. So please, 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 if you if you have the ability, it is more than appreciated. And speaking of our associate producers, we'd like to thank Renee Roberts, Richard Rutledge, and Aaron Harvey. Thank you so much, always, for your support for both Standard Orbit and the Trek FM network. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701. You can find Richard at RUT8972. And you can find our buddy Aaron Harvey at GeekFilter. So if you're looking for me on the network, you can you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm always on there, uh, pre-post shows, talking different subjects with all our listeners. And you can also find me on Twitter, at Boston SCPO. That means Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show from the early 2000s. And we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. And also I'm around the Babel Conference as well. It's always great to talk to you guys on there, making conversation about our shows, other shows, general Star Trek topics, anything really. Love to talk to you guys on there. So thanks for listening, everyone. And join us again next time here on Trek.fm for another episode of Standard Orbit.